Hello and welcome to America Can We Talk. I'm Debbie Georgiatis. On our show today, we're going to be talking about border-busting numbers in Title 42. Wade Miller, Executive Director of the Citizens for Renewing America, great guest, great organization. He is joining us to talk about an actual plan to deal with the border. Texas events and opportunities for you and fighting woke race baiters, Oberlin must pay. And of course, I'll tell you why these stories matter to you. Stay tuned. On America Can We Talk, I talk about election integrity, border security, healthcare freedom, race relations, energy and tax policy, education policy, free speech and assembly, freedom of religion, and all other issues that touch on the God-given right of every American to life, liberty, and the pursuit of their version of happiness. Stay tuned. And hello again and welcome to America Can We Talk and to today's First Five. I'm Debbie Georgiatis. Last night, my husband and I went to a great event here in Dallas. It was the Dallas GOP Reagan Day dinner. And of course, a lot of very active Republicans there. And the uh, main speaker uh, was Mike Pompeo. But what I wanted to tell you about at that from that dinner last night was that Lieutenant, Texas Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick and again, he's lieutenant governor, which I don't know in your state what you have, but that is a second in command and actually a far more powerful position than the governor. Uh, he introduced uh, Mike Pompeo. One of the things that he said, and because he gave a little bit, this is Dan Patrick, a little bit of a riff about where we are in terms of our completely insecure border, is he talked about the fact that by the time, if Joe Biden remains in office, which, you know, he didn't say that, I'm saying that. If we have a Biden administration that rides it out and stays in office till 2024, the percentage of Americans in this country, the percentage of people in this country who are here illegally, who have no legal right to be here, illegal aliens, will be 20% of the population. 20% of the population. I cannot urge you strongly enough to ponder that point, to think about that fact. And... Um, and so we have, we have the 20 uh, percent. I mean, I just want you to think about that fact. That means like when you're out and about in your day, 20 percent, it means two out of every 10, one out of every five people you would see are not legal. They have no legal right to be here. This is where we're headed because we do have, we have a Democrat administration not enforcing the border. I'm going to give you some other numbers and just right now and then tell you why this is happening and what the consequences will be to America. So I want to start with why this is happening. I mean, actually start with some numbers. So even MIT, hardly a friend of conservative causes, MIT, Harvard, excuse me, MIT and a Yale study said that as of September of 2018, so that says, well over three years ago, three and a half years ago, am I doing that? Yeah, three and a half years ago, we were already at, in this country, 22 million illegal immigrants living in America. 22 million illegal immigrants just, and this was as a study announced in September of 2018. So here we are now in 2022, uh, and we are having, a, and we, and you, by the way, I want to remind you, as of 2018, who was still president of the United States. We still had Donald Trump as president. We still had Donald Trump trying to get something done about our completely non-secure southern border. 
putting forth policies, finally pushing those policies. No help, I might add, from the Republican majority in the Congress. No help from them, but he pushed and pushed to get this idea that we simply have to have some measure securing the border. And so we had this astonishing, um, I'm going to give a signal to my producer right here, uh, sir, got sound. Okay, we've been struggling with the sound in the studio today, so that came back. Anyway, I want you to think about that number. As of 2018, we had 22 million, and this is at a time, illegal immigrants here, but Trump is trying to stop it. And then we had the Biden administration, uh, he who took office uh, in 2020 and you had uh, 2021. And the Biden administration, one of the very first things they did was to eviscerate, destroy every single policy that the Trump administration put in place to try to prevent this invasion at the southern border. So. You know, you had Biden just getting rid of Remain in Mexico, getting rid of everything else he could possibly get rid of, now getting rid of, uh, just as of a couple days ago, Title 42, which was a provision used by the federal government to send some people back uh, away from the border, back to Mexico uh, on the grounds of the, uh, the emergency of COVID. You know, we have people who were, were you know, clamping down on American citizens, taking away their freedom. So we had, OK, at least while that's going on, we use Title 42 to force people uh, back to Mexico, crossing our, our southern border. So I want to just think, I urge you to think about this. Biden just announced that they're getting rid of the Title 42 protection. So they're, they are announcing to the world, don't worry, there's like nothing that is going to keep you from crossing our border. We're not even worried about COVID anymore. Come on in. At the same time, this is literally the same week that the Biden administration through the Justice Department has been pushing and pushing and pushing to keep in place the Biden order demanding that federal employees get vaccinated get vaccinated against COVID because it's such an emergency. So on the one hand, no emergency, nothing to see here, no worries. People come on in over the southern border. Uh, we're dropping all protections that Title 42 afforded us via COVID. On the other hand, the very same week, Biden administration just won a victory at an appellate court that said actually Biden can force federal employees to get a vaccine if they want to keep their job. What I really want to do in closing out the first five, we have a great guest joining us shortly, Wade Miller, but I want, to, I want to really plant this seed with you and ask you to earnestly consider it. I know most people listening to my show probably did not vote for Joe Biden. I also know most people listening to my show know dozens or hundreds of people who did vote for Joe Biden. I want you to understand that the way the Biden administration is treating the southern border is they are intentionally fomenting and enabling an invasion in America. They're not simply trying to, through lawful means, changing the number of Americans we can bring in in our immigration system, changing the law with respect to refugee status, changing the law to try to come around to different terms on immigration law. They are simply ignoring the law, ignoring the law. Uh, literally, they are failing to enforce the border. Oh, I have one other chart I sent as a supplement. I sent a second email, Mr. Becker, uh, a chart. This is just a quick look at this. Fiscal year 2021, which ended September of 2021. Look at the numbers across the top. It's fiscal year 17, you know, 2017, 2018, 2019, through 2021. So look at the middle call, the middle line. Um, U.S. Border Patrol encounters. U.S. Border Patrol encounters. In 2020, when, wait, who was still president then? Oh, that would be Trump. 
This is the number of encounters the U.S. Border Patrol had, a little over 400,000. Fiscal year 21, you have you're running through the, uh, largely through the Biden administration, 1.666 million encounters at the border. So over three times, in fact, almost four times, four times the number, number of encounters Border Patrol has with people trying to cross illegally when you move one year away from Trump administration into the Biden administration. And you have to understand, this is my final point in this first five. Please understand, you are watching the Biden administration intentionally destroy America. There is nothing less to, there is nothing less to it that is not hyperbolic or an exaggeration. The Biden administration, as we have talked about on the show numerous times, is engaged in policy after policy after policy, not just to shift over to a slightly more left-wing policy or a slightly bigger government policy. The Biden administration is taking a wrecking ball to the country of America. The border patrol, the border policy is a huge part of that. They are telling you, they are telling you they're not going to enforce the border. They are telling illegal, the would-be illegal aliens around the world, come on into America. We barely enforce the border. We don't care if you're sick. And you have, of course, great damage flowing to America because of the number of people who cross the border who aren't just merely the most unfortunate, low-income, suffering people who simply want to come here for a better life and find a job and build a family and live in the great America. You're watching the southern border invaded by Islamic terrorists, by drug smugglers, by human traffickers, by criminals, criminal gangs of all kinds. And the Biden administration cares more about eviscerating the southern border. Their goal is to eviscerate the southern border. They care more about that than they do about the health and welfare of the American people. Because the point of the Biden administration's nefarious conduct related to the border is that once those people are all here and we get to the end of the Biden administration, 2024, and we have, as Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick pointed out last night, 20% of the people in America's borders are illegal aliens. You know, you know, if the Biden administration can steal the election again in 2024, if they can get a Democrat in the White House, have a Democrat majority in the House and Senate, you know what they will do is instantly give all those people either instant amnesty and citizenship or a path to citizenship. And we will no longer have a country in which the voting population has any clue what America is supposed to be. This is an invasion. This is a hostile takeover of America by the Biden administration, just based on what they're doing at the southern border. Now, what I'm saying to you, and you've heard many people say it, of course, is this is a horrible problem at the border. We've had people come back from visiting the border and describe it to you. So the reason I'm telling you all this today is we have a wonderful guest joining us, Wade Miller, joining us in the next segment. And he is going to talk about what their organization, what he is doing in Washington, his organization is doing, which is more than just talk about the problem, lament the problem. He is going to, they are going to, are engaged in an effort to actually propose policies, ways to fix the problem on the ground with the relevant states and the, the border states with Mexico, California, Arizona, New Mexico, and Texas, bordering along the, the southern border, what they're doing to try to actually take action to prevent what the Biden administration is trying to do to America. And that, my very fine friends, is today's 
first five. So I said so the show, we have Wade Miller joining us. Um, he's been on the show numerous times. He's, he's, I've known him for a long time. Uh, he is at now with the uh, Center uh, for Renewing America, or Citizens for Renewing America. Uh, he's the executive director of Citizens for Renewing America. Uh, among the many reasons I'm very fond of him is he is extremely well-versed in substantive policy. He's always aware of uh, policy ideas, how they play out, what's happening in Congress, how bills can move through. Uh, he's also a combat veteran. He served in the United States Marine Corps as an infantryman. He deployed into combat theaters three times. So he's an actual fighter for America, not just a talker, but a fighter for America. Came back and after his tours with the Marines in Iraq and the Horn of Africa, um, he became politically active. He was at one time the political director for Senator Ted Cruz during the 2018 Senate campaign cycle. Uh, he's also served as a chief of staff uh, for Congressman Chip Roy, who's joined us on the show many times. Uh, he lives in Virginia and works in the Washington, D.C.-based Center for, or excuse me, Citizens for Renewing America. And we're gonna talk about what they're gonna do to actually attack and try to fix the border security problem. So let's welcome to the show, Wade Miller. And there he is. Thanks for having me on. <laughs> Hi, Wade. Um, so Hi. glad we got things worked out. Great to see you. Well, you know what? I, gave, I want to give you a good introduction uh, because I love all your experience. I love that you're a serious policy guy. I love that you're well-versed in what choices that people have. So tell us what you all uh, are trying to do um, at the uh, Citizens for Renewing America. What are you trying to do to deal with the fact that our current administration and, frankly, many past administrations don't secure the border? What are you guys doing? Sure. So uh, my boss is Russ Vogt, who is the president of Center for Renewing America, and he was the OMB director for President Trump. Uh, he basically controlled all of you know the, the uh, inflow and outflow of the policy directives of the administration to the other agencies. So it was a very powerful position. You know, Steve Bannon has said it's the most powerful position in the White House outside of chief of staff. Uh, and then we worked with Ken Cuccinelli, who's a fellow for Center for Renewing America, and he was acting director at DHS. And the three of us and some others were sitting around trying to figure out, like, how can we actually move forward, understanding that what's coming down the pike from the Biden administration, understanding that they will not, uh, they don't have any desire to actually secure the border. And so, you know, we turned towards and, and started really doing some legal research into uh, the invasion clause. So Article 4, Section 4 of the Constitution requires the president of the United States to secure states from an invasion. I think that that's clearly not happening. And even, you know, there's a lot of precedent out there that requires us to interpret uh, meaning of words broadly. And there's a lot of historical context for this. So a lot of people think of a military invasion, but an invasion is just an unwanted advance into another's domain. And that's clearly what's happening at the border. And if we're having incidental crossings, but an earnest effort by the president of the United States to stop them, then we could say that, that that Article 4, Section 4 is being upheld and that there, there's an earnest effort to, to stem any type of invasion from transnational gangs, cartels. But that's just not the case here. We can clearly see that that is failing to be upheld by the executive branch. And so that actually invokes Article 1, Section 10, Clause 3. And, and basically that section uh, uh, is a whole bunch of things that, that states can't do. But one of the carve outs there is unless actually invaded. And so governors actually have broad powers if they can make that determination. And so we started getting to work and, and, and this would be outside of immigration law. So one of the big hiccups uh, from governors of taking action has been that we can't violate the finding, the holdings in Arizona, the United States that significantly uh, restrains the ability of states to enforce or be partners enforcing federal immigration law. 
This is outside of federal immigration law, much like Title 42 is outside of federal immigration law, which is why it's so effective. So we got to work starting to formulate this plan and to push it out. Uh, Ken and Russ both went to Arizona. They met with the legislature there. They had discussions with Attorney General Mark, uh, uh, Mark Burnovich there. He, in, in the days after that, actually put out the first of its kind, a legal opinion validating our opinion that governors can declare an invasion and have basically commander in chief powers to do whatever is necessary to stop the advance of, of this invasion to illegals, cartels, transnational gangs, drug smuggling, human trafficking. And so we've been working in Arizona and in Texas. Uh, uh, just recently, uh, uh, Representative uh, Matt Krause submitted a request that the uh, Texas Attorney General uh, 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 supply an opinion on this legal doctrine. And we're you know, hopeful that something positive will come back here. So we've really been pushing governors in Arizona and governors in Texas to declare an invasion and actually go down and lock down the border and turn people away. Of course, you'll do a wellness check. You'll provide them food with water, but you'll turn them right around, take them to the border. It's a law enforcement action, but under commander in chief powers. And actually for the first time in decades, have a secure border, stop the cartels, stop the gangs, stop the flow of drugs. And I think that that would be an interesting dynamic where governors took this upon themselves and stood up to the Biden administration, who's essentially just abrogating uh, his duty as president to secure states. I love that. I love the whole plan. I want to make clear something to our listeners. Um, this We're going to talk about two different ways states can move to try to do something to protect the border, their, their southern state border with Mexico, given that the Biden administration not only is not securing it, they are intentionally abandoning the border. I'm not asking Wade to agree with the, the, that expression or that depiction. That's mine. If you, as many people we've talked about on the show before, if you wanted to secure the border, you could. It's like if, if Biden wanted to withdraw from Afghanistan following a responsible method that would not endanger people, he could have. He ch what they are doing at the southern border is intentional. I said in my first five about talk to your friends about this. Ask your friends who, for whatever reason, might have support Biden. What is the pro-America reason to, to ban the southern border? And what is the outcome of what they presently plan to do. How are we going to accommodate, as Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick said last night, when we get to a place where 20% of the people inside America's borders are legal aliens? So back to your points. There are two paths. One has to do with Article 1, Section 10, Clause 3. The other one I hope we get to is the compact idea. Uh, but first I want on this Article 1, Section 10, Clause 3, it's important for our listeners to understand it's very, very true that when states began talking about, you know, we're, gonna, we're being invaded, we're going to stand up. Many people on the American left said, you aren't allowed to do that. Immigration is a federal, a, a federal power. It's clear in the Constitution. So, Wade, what you guys are doing, focusing on Article 1, Section 10, Clause 3, has a constitutional basis. And I want to, uh, so I want to go back uh, to you and say, so you talked to Arizona. You, you talked about a legal opinion that came out of the Arizona Attorney General of Vernovich. So what did he have to say? He affirmed it. In fact, he took it further and went into some economic arguments that we had not even thought about that we've now since adopted. But he just essentially, and by the way, this is a landmark opinion. It's the first time an attorney general in the United States has really touched and addressed this. It has not been tested by the courts. Of course, we think it's a, you know ironclad that this is clearly a power that states have uh, to enforce. So far, the governor in Arizona has not been super friendly to the idea the good news is that he is term limited and that uh, basically all of the candidates that are running in the Republican Party to replace him 
are in, in some way, shape, or form friendly to our plan, Carrie Lake has essentially taken it word for word. I mean, if she wins, my guess is that this plan will be enacted in Arizona the next day that she's inaugurated. I can't guarantee that, but she has been super uh, elated about the plan, very positive about it, and, and it's on her campaign website. So, Okay, so what does that mean exactly the states do if they say we declare an invasion and they, they succeed in, in getting the powers that be in their state to declare that we are being invaded, does it mean that they then can use state uh, National Guard troops to defend their border? What does it mean pragmatically? It does. So if they were to go down there today and just start trying to turn people away, the argument would be that you don't have the authority to do this and they'd cite case precedent. If you declare an invasion, invoke Article 1, Section 10, Clause 3, you're, you're essentially you're, you're moving away from federal immigration law now and they don't have the authority to step in your way and stop you. So yes, at that point, uh, it would make sense to send down the National Guard, to send sheriffs, to send uh, Texas DPS, and, and frankly, any other uh, law enforcement agencies that the governor deems necessary to draw upon to go down there and do what's necessary. Now, some of this is happening. The problem is, is that until you invoke this authority, for the most part, all they're doing is laying out the red carpet and assisting federal immigration authorities in doing what they're already doing, which is not enforcing the border. So you, there's not a lot of return on investment. A lot of money is being spent. It's having almost no effect on the flow across the border. They might interdict some additional you know, amounts of drugs, but it's still uh, you know, a, a, a fraction of what's coming across the border on, on any given day. And, and by the way, cartels use this to their advantage. So they will send large amounts of, of, of illegal crossers to one sector of a border, tie up all of our agents, and then run all of their illegal narcotics and, 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 and more uh, you know, extreme uh, human trafficking efforts upstream or downstream where it's clear. And that, so they use our system against us to get the worst of the worst across. Uh, and and we're, we're not stopping that. We're not stopping millions of people a year that are coming across in that, in that fashion because they're abusing the current processes. They are so abusing it. And I love that you're making that point about it is really pitiful when America, you know, allegedly the, the leader of the free world, the strongest military, you know, we are the land of law and order. We're being outsmarted by Mexican cartel, drug cartel criminals because they recognize we don't enforce our border and they recognize they can tie up our troops, as you just described, and scuttle over to some other place and cross the border and not have and, and basically have no consequence. I want to hit one point before I forget about this. This idea that how many people were stopped at the border by our Border Patrol people. Estimates range, and, and Wade Miller, you may have one that you think is a reliable one, but even when we had that chart up a moment ago talking about how many encounters the Border Patrol had with people trying to cross the border, the estimates range from what percentage of people cross the border and are not stopped, not even caught. So we have, when you see numbers that the Border Patrol can put up, they're just talking about who they caught. And, and, and many of them, they can't do a thing about it because the Biden administration won't allow us to, to return to Mexico. So if people caught, but the numbers are far bigger. It's usually people say at least only one in three are caught and maybe it's more like one in 10 are caught. So for all the people you do catch, all these others flow through uh, and, and then disappear into the heartland of America. I don't know if you have any numbers on that, weight or any thought about that. So I, when I talk to Border Patrol agents, they consistently say on the low end, it's one in three or one in four. And so when I hear numbers like 22 million are here illegally, my guess is that that's half of what it actually is. Right. Uh, my guess is that we're closer to 40, 50, 60 million illegals in this country right now. 
And, you know, even that could be low. I don't think anyone really knows. We're all kind of making a guess. I, all I, I'm confident in is that the numbers that are generally thrown around are probably significantly low. Absolutely. And on that point, uh, I was going to say, I, I talked about that number that MIT and Yale came up with, was, which was in 2018. They said we're about 22 million. We've had now a year and a half of, of Biden letting everybody in who wants to come in. And actually, organizations like this, they tend to, to have low numbers. And they are only estimating based on some kind of polling they can do or studies they can do that say what percentage of people uh, in cities somehow are considered legal aliens. No one really knows the number. But back to the point that Dan Patrick, Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick, made last night. If America say 340 million, and so you know 10% of that is 34 million, he's saying 20% by the end of the Biden administration term, this term, uh, in 2024, we're going to have 20% of America uh, illegal aliens. Yeah, you're getting into the 68 million number. And you have to say, the left has been successful on this issue by casting uh, racial aspersions on anyone who wants to secure the border, describing, well, you don't like people who don't look like you, you're intolerant, you don't, you're not compassionate, you don't care about the poor. But when you, Wade, are talking about drug smugglers and human smugglers and the, and the flow of fentanyl, this is an issue we have to stop getting shut down and pushed around by the, the people who try to claim it's a racial issue. Yeah, yeah. Mexico, let's just be honest, it's, it's essentially a failed state. If Canada was a failed state, we would want to put just as many resources on our northern border. And frankly, with the direction Canada is going, that may be in, in the future. I mean, the, the, their government is getting radically progressive and, and, and who knows what the fallout will be from that 20 to 30 years from now and the radicalism that that will uh, foster. But you know, we have to address the threats on our border. And the threat right now mostly is on our southern border. We also have to pay attention to our northern border. And we have to uh, pay attention to our ocean coastlines. But the, the southern border is what is being uh, you know, most abused. That's where the most illegal flow is occurring. That's where the most illicit activity is occurring. And honestly, I mean, look, you know, Governor Abbott took some steps the other day. I think that in a vacuum, they were gimmicks. They're not serious. He's got to get serious about the border and he's got to do something about it. Uh, otherwise, like you said, you know, you add 20, 30, 40 million illegals to this country. What does that do to the fabric of society? People who come here not for the right reasons, whose first act across our border is to violate our laws. You know, we have plenty of bad citizens already. What we don't need are people who come here and their first act in the country is to disregard our laws. Could not agree more. And Wade, you know, I didn't even ask you in our texting and emailing. I, I, I would love to keep you. I, I don't know how long you have for this interview. Uh, as you much have, time as you need. Okay. You guys all heard him say that. You people in the producer's booth. Okay, good. Because I really love having you. I want to keep this up. One thing that I think, because I think it's important for people to understand this kind of issue, uh, you raise at one point that there is a legal basis to go around the argument that the leftists say that the states can't defend themselves because immigration is a federal issue. We have this clause in the Constitution. And again, oh, I meant to say for our listeners, I posted all these articles at our website, americacanwetalk.org. All these articles are listed. This one I'm uh, looking at is called Five Claims and Responses, How States Can Unilaterally Secure the Border. I, need, I urge you to read that because it basically raises all the arguments that leftists make about why states aren't allowed to do this and answers with legal precedent, with, le with uh, court decisions and with the way you interpret constitutional uh, provisions. It's a great, great piece to, you know, as I say, read and memorize 
so you can use it because you guys are doing a great job at the Center uh, for uh, Renewing America um, for to, to be beyond just talking about and lamenting and hand-wringing and saying, no, we can do something about this. So I do want to hit, you know, we have, uh, we're coming up at the bottom of the hour. For, so for our radio listeners, the, my name is Debbie Georgiatis. The show is America Can We Talk. You can go to the website, americacanwetalk.org. At that website, find every past show, communicate with me, sign up for the newsletter, join and support the show. But the main thing is you have a three-minute break. Come back after your break. We have another half an hour of a great interview with Wade Miller. Okay, Wade, so going on, I want to go back to this. You raised one other point that I think that people are, um, are concerned about thinking why states can't act, and that is, well, invasion means like the, mil- the Mexican army or, you know, the, the Cuban army is coming in. But you are, guys are comfortable that invasion can mean simply unwelcome crossing into America. Well, yes. Uh, now, we do have, cartels have operational control of our border. We do have violent transnational gangs moving across our border. We do have Islamic terrorists moving across our border. We do have people moving across the border, all sorts of illicit reasons and activities. We have human smugglers, human tra- traffickers. But the, the, the grand total summation of all of this illegal activity is having an extreme detrimental effect on our society and the president of the United States is not acting to secure our uh, communities from that invasion, which is having all of these effects. I mean, it's, it's, it's burdening our school systems, it's burdening, burdening our hospitals, it's burdening our communities. We have uh, you know, children in neighborhoods dying of fentanyl overdoses that are coming across our southern border. You know, you know, ch- people are being kidnapped, women are being abused, children are being abused. These are all negative and some of them very violent actions that are happening to our communities as a result of the president not securing our border, that in and of, uh, of itself constitutes altogether an invasion that must be stopped. Now, I, we're not saying that uh, you know Governor Abbott and his you know uh, commander in chief uh, uh, hat should put machine gun nests on the border and just start mowing down people. What we're saying is, under the commander in chief power, uh, 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 Texas law enforcement in a law enforcement capacity should go down there not acting in in an immigration enforcement, but an invasion enforcement capacity, humanely treat people, do wellness checks, check them with, you know, medical personnel, nurses, doctors, give them food and water, move them back to the border. That's a lot cheaper than housing them for years, putting them through all sorts of uh, deals, but they never show up for their final immigration hearing. They disappear into the interior or paying for them to go all the way to the East Coast or whatever it is we're paying for already. Just uh, uh, process them on the spot, make sure we're treating them humanely and then turn them around. And look, if cartels want to get uh, feisty, then we get feisty back. If transnational gains want to get feisty, we get feisty right back. We actually engage and we suppress that violence back with law enforcement actions. But yes, it's an invasion and we can do something to stop it. Governors can stop it. I love that you're saying that point about how, you know, it isn't like this picture of because if governors were to utilize their constitutional power to do this, defend their statesman's invasion, it's not a it's not a declaring war and offensively using weaponry. It's just saying you can't come across this border. And if you do, we're going to, you know, I, I mean, I think it's a fairly nice gesture to give wellness checks and food and water, whatever it is, but we're sending them back and they may engage in response if they are engaged uh, weapons wise. Before I, one other thing I want to uh, mention to people, because I think that the way the left has gotten so much sympathy on this issue, uh, oh, by the way, welcome back to our radio listeners. This is Debbie Georgiatis and America Can We Talk. Uh, so Wade, one 
point that was um, really driven home, I think, for people who think that because what the media does often will portray the poor mother with her seven small children and they just come here because they're starving, when the fact is many, many people crossing the border are, have a criminal uh, history. This was a data from, uh, from ICE. Uh, published at the year-end report of 2020, that on average, illegal immigrants arrested by ICE had an average of four criminal convictions or pending criminal charges. These are people who have no respect for law and who just think, I don't care what your law says, I'm going to keep coming back. And they meet insufficient resistance from America. And those kind of people get a different message if they're getting the treatment that the states may give them, which is a firm sending them back. Your comments, and, your and, thoughts? And even with even with uh, women and children. So it is a very dangerous journey. The data that I've seen, the low ball estimates, is that one in three women are sexually abused on the crossing. Children are being sexually abused on their on their their, their way up north. The coyotes are taking advantage of them. They're extremely violent. Uh, they're sexual sexual predators uh, all over this this route. It is dangerous for a mother to bring her children here. In order to protect migrants, women and children, we have to send a signal that we will not allow them to cross, thereby cutting off the ability of cartels to go down and actually entice people to come up and promise them the world. And what happens is they'll tell them it's a thousand bucks or two thousand. And then when they have them in the middle of the desert where their, their lives depend on it, the price goes up. And if you can't pay it, they, they take that price out in, in flesh. And it's, it's, it's awful what is happening. So we've got to stop everyone in order to protect women and children in the process. So I, I'm just not swayed by the left's argument that, you know, doing this is somehow harming women and children. I see that we're protecting women and children by fully securing the border and preventing cartels from preying on them. Could not agree more. I do want to go back to your points about Texas, because as my listeners know, I'm here in the great state of Texas. And where we are right now in Texas, we just had a gubernatorial primary. We had our incumbent governor win the primary. So he's running in the fall, uh, Governor Greg Abbott running in the fall against Beto O'Rourke. And there's much talk about Texas turning purple. I think if Texas had really clean elections, we're not even close to purple, but I don't know. All I know is that Greg Abbott needs to have a strong showing and uh, Governor Abbott, who's running in the fall against Beto O'Rourke, and the Democrats are pouring money into Texas, pushing Beto O'Rourke. And if they can flip Texas, heaven help America. I think this would be a tremendous, tremendous move on the part of Governor Abbott to take hold of the issue as you're trying to get the Arizona governor to do. Uh, and so right now, I assume your, your path is as in Arizona, you got the attorney general there to issue an opinion. And so you're now approaching, I assume you're approaching our attorney general, Ken Paxton, trying to get him on board with this. Is that right? Yes. And uh, Representative Matt Krause has uh, submitted a request for a legal opinion. I know that the attorney general's office is looking at this and that and we're hoping that they'll uh, put out a, a legal opinion soon. I don't have any updates on when that might be. And I know that uh, Governor Abbott has uh, announced that he's probably going to uh, announce additional actions this week. I hope it's in this direction. If it's in the direction of what I've prescribed previously and that we've talked about, then he, I will praise it. I'll praise the action. I will uh, thank him. We'll, we'll, as an organization, we'll thank him and we'll make sure that everyone that we work with in Texas knows that he did the right thing here. Uh, but until he, he, he takes it that step further, most of what he's doing, unfortunately, is just a waste of taxpayer money, you know, given what it could be getting uh, pound for pound in terms of enforcement uh, otherwise if you were ex exercising these new authorities. What's your thought about Governor Abbott has said he's going to put illegal aliens who agree to go uh, on a bus or a plane or something up to Washington? Is that not in, much helper? 
in a vacuum, it's a gimmick that will have no difference on the flow across the border because essentially it's voluntary. So you have to get the migrants to agree to want to go. So the people who are going to take them up on this were people who are already heading to Virginia or Maryland or North Carolina anyways. And they look at this as a very cheap, uh, easy way to get Texas taxpayers to now pay for their travel to the East Coast. No one who wants to stay in Texas is actually going to say, sure, send me to the East Coast so I can hitchhike a ride back. So it's a total gimmick. Look, if you were actually exercising the authorities we discussed, turning people back at the border and doing interior enforcement and sending those people to the, the Capitol, sending a message, then I, I could probably get on board with that because at the end of the day, he's trying to put pressure on Democrats in D.C. to do the right thing and secure the border. But that's not that's not what's happening here. Yeah, I also think, honestly, for anybody who's uh, in Texas and recognizes how extreme the position is at our border, it would be great to have Governor Abbott step up and say, yeah, we're going to declare an insurrection. We're going we're gonna, to, in fact, take the lead on it. Maybe then you'd have the Arizona governor who's not always as conservative as you might want. Maybe he would jump on board, too. He's Republican, but not always that conservative. Maybe both of them jumping on board. I truly think uh, the Governor Ducey in Arizona has nothing to lose. He's, he's term limited, and, and Carrie Lake can uh, you know, do that, hopefully, if she's elected. And in Texas, I think it would help Governor Abbott. I think it would get some people off their, uh, off their benches, off their couches, out to vote because they know this is not something that Beto O'Rourke would ever back or any the Democrat Party. Okay, one thing I want to ask you about. So what is your impression of the uh, Biden administration deciding that Title 42 uh, should be dropped because, after all, you know, the COVID emergency is kind of gone? The only reason the executive branch would cancel Title 42 right now is if they want massive illegal flow across the border. That's the only reason. There's always an opportunity and a reason to invoke Title 42. It's, it's a public safety health, uh, public health safety uh, mechanism that can apply to any communicable disease. So if you have uh, excess uh, levels of, uh, you know, any uh, uh, illness that, uh, that maybe populations south of our border are not inoculated against sufficiently, you know, we detect it all the time anyways, we could, we could go in there and say uh, uh, that this is indefinitely going to be invoked. They're, they're removing it intentionally uh, because they have a, a particular animus uh, against uh, Republican border security hawks and they have a political agenda that they want to push in an open border where six million people come across this summer is part of the plan. Yeah, I was going to ask you the numbers. I'd read that estimate too. Six million come across America over this coming summer. And again, I go back to my what uh, Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick was saying last night. You can almost not picture America if 20% of our voters, 20% uh, of our people here uh, by the time the 2024 um, end of the Biden presidency happens, 20% are non-Americans, and there will be, as soon as there's the Democrat power to do it, there will be somehow massive new amnesty, and you'll have Democrat control for a long time. And this is the plan. It is not a speculative, hey, wow, this could be a great outcome. It's a plan. You have to understand the Democrats are always, uh, they're always purposeful. They've always got a plan. They've always got a mission. It's not just a side benefit that they get new voters. It's a plan in place, what we're watching unfold. Um, so I also want to mention, um, Wade, your organization, um, I, I um, wrote it up somewhere in this pile of papers, uh, but your organization, uh, Center for the Renewal of America, I want to tell pe ask people, uh, ask our listeners if they'd like to support your organization, how they can do that. People can donate to support, right? Yes, and thank you, and, and I do have to go, so thanks for uh, wrapping up for me. Uh, yeah, you can go to uh, americarenewing.com, and we're on all the Twitter uh, websites, and, and yes, any support would be greatly appreciated. Thanks for having me on. 
Thank you, Wade. Great to see you. Great to see you. Okay, that, my friends, is a wonderful patriot, Wade Miller. Um, and I love the organization. I love the work they do. I so encourage them uh, and you to consider uh, supporting them. They just uh, And what I like about that, the other thing we didn't even get to was there is in the Constitution a, a, a portion that permits the states to create a compact. We didn't get to that point, but that's the other possible legal avenue for states to take the issues into their own hands and not wait for the Biden administration to enforce the southern border because they're never going to do it. You have to get that point clear. The Biden administration, the Democrat Party in Washington, whether Biden is in power, not in power, who's ever really running it because it's not Biden running this team in Washington. It's some cabal. It's Obama, whoever else is, is up there really running the show. These people do not want a secure southern border. If you want an America where you have fair elections by citizens, you got to get a hold of the border right now. And I'll close one other point on this uh, topic about border security. The reason we have immigration laws, the reason we have the way people can come here legally, they can immigrate legally, they can come to America, they can become citizens, they pass a citizenship test, they become citizens, is because in America, participation in the system requires you to understand the unique, extraordinary greatness of America. It requires you to understand that America is a democratic republic, that we have a constitution, that laws must be followed, that our constitution sets up a structure to maximize freedom. When people come here, disobey the laws, many of them come here thinking they're going to get free healthcare, free housing, all sorts of other freebies, which they end up getting regardless of the fact that the laws do not allow that. This is when they're going to vote, they're not, they don't have that depth of wisdom, understanding of America's greatness and uniqueness of what it means to be a participant, to be a citizen in the American experiment. If you've just come here, you know, sneaked across the border, got someplace and waited until a new amnesty came along and you got citizenship, you don't have one clue of how America is supposed to function. You don't understand our system of laws, our constitutional republic, and you're going to vote to get what you think is, I vote for the people who promised me the most rewards, the biggest unemployment check, the largest amount of food stamps I can get, the best free housing. You think of government as a handout to you, which is exactly what the Democrat Party wants people to think of because it increases their power. This very process of abandoning the border, abandoning what we require normally for people to become citizens, it undermines the very fabric and core of America. It prevents the ability for America to continue as the unique and extraordinary experiment in human liberty it's intended to be. Okay, I have not that much time left. I want to tell you about a couple events coming up. So I mentioned to you in the fall uh, that we have an extraordinary event. I am sponsoring our third annual Women for Freedom Summit. And I just want you to put it on your calendar, October 15th. The list of speakers we have already committed is kind of breathtaking. I'm, a, I'm holding back that list for just a few, maybe another week, because I'm waiting to hear from a few other people. We have already a full and fabulous program. So mark your calendars, October 15th, it's a Saturday. Plan on being in Dallas for the third annual Women for Freedom Summit. It's an event for men and women. We have speakers who are men and women. It's all about preserving America. These are stellar, stellar thinkers we have coming to stand up and speak up for America at our summit this fall. And if you do come to Dallas, the evening before, Friday, October 14th, is our VIP reception. 
And I will tell you more about that next week because I want to just right now tell you about some quick events that I that are coming up very, very, very soon. So um, one is I sent this to uh, Mr. Ziggy, the wonderful. Um, I sent him a um, a flyer for the uh, event that's a, a film. The film is called Whose Children Are They? And you may recall, I just had on this show a couple weeks ago, the woman who put this film together, Rebecca Friedrichs, Whose Children Are They? And so this is a film that showed in select theaters on March 14th. I saw it, many people saw it. I, I hosted an event for it actually. But the reason I'm telling you about it is the very next thing I sent you, Mr. Becker, is there's going to be a special showing of Whose Children Are They? Please look at this. If you're on radio, I'll tell you what to do. If you're listening on radio, go to patriotmobile.com backslash children. Patriotmobile.com backslash children. They are hosting this event on Thursday evening, April 21st. It is at the Palace Theater in Grapevine, Texas. It's an evening showing of whose children are they. Doors open at 545. Movie starts at 630. You must RSVP. You cannot go get in if you just show up at the door. You must RSVP. But this is a very generous event put it, being put on by Patriot Mobile. They are covering the cost of this event to get more people to come. So again, patriotmobile.com backslash. I guess that's a forward slash. Patriot dot, patriotmobile.com forward slash children. Get yourself a reservation. Go see whose children are they Thursday, April 21st. So they are doing that. That's Patriot Mobile sponsoring that. And I'm sharing that with you because Patriot Mobile, they're friends of mine. They're a great organization. Second, I want to tell you um, that there is another event that's coming. Uh, and this is an event involving Laura Logan. And this is on April 30th. And so April 30th here in Dallas, there is an event featuring Laura Logan. It's called Election Transparency on Trial. And it's Saturday, April 30th. Saturday, April 30th. This is also one you must RSVP for. And you, if, you, if you're watching, you can see there are QR codes. If you're just listening, you need to go just Google or, or use a better search engine, not Google, DuckDuckGo or something. Search for Laura Logan, Dallas, April 30th. And it is, the event is called um, Election Transparency on Trial. You can get your tickets there. I think it's $50 to go. It is a fabulous, fabulous program of genuine experts explaining so you can understand how election transparency is possible. Election transparency does not exist. We have an election system fully vulnerable to hacking in all sorts of ways. You go to that seminar that day, you're going to understand how it happened. Well, I want to make sure you know about that last event. I am plugging events right now. Last event uh, involves uh, Frank Gaffney, and he is going to be here in Dallas uh, also that same evening, unfortunately, April 21st. Um, and this event, uh, is, this is the same evening as the uh, Whose Children Are They? But this is Dallas Eagle Forum, Frank Gaffney, guest speaker coming in from Washington, D.C., the founder and executive chairman of the Center for Security Policy. Uh, he is just a wonderful figure, uh, a national security expert extraordinaire coming in to talk about, I think he's going to be talking a lot about China. As it turns out, this event, um, I will be, it's like an interview thing. I'll be interviewing him, but it's mainly him speaking. I'm just going to ask good questions. Uh, I urge you to find out more about that, to go to the Dallas Eagle Forum website, dallaseagleforum.com. Find out more about that. Yeah, I think you do have to RSVP, but it's at the University Park Library on that evening, April 21st. Great events coming up. I wanted to cover those because I'll tell you that um, so many organizations, I want to kind of give praise to a lot of people. So many organizations around this country are knocking themselves out. 
trying to help more Americans wake up to the idea that we face very, very serious threats in this country. Among them are national security. We have, I hope we're going to hear from Frank Gaffney, we have a huge problem with respect to our current president and his apparent ties to China and Hunter Biden's ties to China, what that means and whether America's compromised. We have election integrity. As I've said the other day, I'll tell you very often, to me, it's, it's the premier issue that must be solved. Because if you don't get election integrity right, if you don't have a safe and secure election system, you can have the best arguments on every issue that faces America, but you cannot get people elected to follow the will of the people if the elections are rigged. And my friends, we have a massive problem with election integrity. Can't urge you strongly enough to go to that event April 30th. Okay, last quick topic. Oh, actually, two more things I want to tell you about. Uh, because before I get to, I'm going to make a few comments about the Oberlin College having to pay a, near, a mere $32 million. It should be more. But anyway, I also want to tell you about our website, americacanbetalk.org. If you go to that website, americacanbetalk.org, on the homepage, you can hit subscribe. You get a once a week newsletter from me. Once a week newsletter, I tie it to all the shows we did over the past week. You can read our blog posts. You can see all of our Why It Matter columns. You can see events coming up. We, and we and so I just urge you to go to that website, become a member. It's a mere $50 a year to become a member or make a donation. We need donations. This is a listener-supported show, and I need donations. I would appreciate that. I also want to urge you, uh, if you want to support this show, two ways to do it that, don't, that, that are relatively inexpensive and you get something good out of it. One has to do with MyPillow. At MyPillow.com, which is a website you've all heard about, MyPillow.com, Mike Lindell has a... Uh, a wonderful deal he's made with talk show hosts. So at MyPillow.com, they have great products. We have these pillows all over our house. We have extra pillows. They're fabulous quality pillows and sheets and towels and bathrobes and slippers, all sorts of great products. Go to MyPillow.com and, and get a bunch of everything you need and use the promo code at the end, Debbie G, D-E-B-B-I-E-G, D-E-B-B-I-E-G. Put in Debbie G at the promo code, you get up to 66% off what you purchase. I get a small payment, and this helps keep this show rocking and rolling. I also have a great other way you can support this show and, and, and buy even a drink. I drink absolutely every single morning. Mr. Becker is going to put that little fire up in a moment, but Hydro Shot, that little can you can see, it's a small can. It's not, you see it on the left of the screen. You can go to H2Bev, H, the numeral 2, Bev, B-E-V.com. Again, the promo code is DebbieG. You can only buy Hydro Shot online. You cannot buy it in stores. I, I drink one every morning. I am telling you, it's a noticeable, it wakes you up. It, it's not loaded with caffeine. It has some caffeine, but it is, a, it is a process uniquely theirs. Nobody else had to infuse hydrogen. It gets right into your system. It is a very, very healthy drink. I can give you more detail about that. But if you go there, again, put Debbie G. They deliver the case right to your house. I get a small percentage. Love to have you do that. So those are ways to support this show. Because I get, I, I, when I went to this event last night, by the way, I do I told you the Dallas GOP event, and um, I had a lot of people just say, my gosh, I love your show. How can I support you? Subscribe to the newsletter, become a member, order things from, from, uh, H, from h2bev.com, h2bev.com, order HydroShot, order a case or two or three, and go to mypillow.com or make a donation online. Truly, this show is my passion. I've done this show for 20, since 2014 and not been paid. 
I need, I do appreciate listener donations. It's how I stay in the air, but I don't pay myself because the, what the satisfaction I get out of standing up and speaking up for America means more to me than any paycheck I could ever get. So one last very quick story. I believe we have time. Um, which is, I put a fighting a woke race baiters, Oberlin, Oberlin will pay. I just want to make this point. I tell you all the time that the, anti, the, the left in this country, the anti-American left, are truly, deeply anti-American. I don't say that in some cavalier way. The leftist mindset that has overtaken the Democrat Party, they are Marxist, their policies they push are communist, they are, they are intentionally, perpetually, eternally attempting to divide America, attempting to turn Americans against each other, attempting to turn Americans against believing in America, the best country to ever bless this earth. This is the mission of today's left. And so one of the ways they do that is to constantly push racial division, claim there's all sorts of systemic racism and institutional racism. And, you know, of course, we've had black conservatives on this show saying, lie, 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 lie. There is not institutional racism or systemic racism. But very quick story. If you missed this story, so Oberlin College is in Ohio, and they had a, a right across from Oberlin College is a longstanding business, Gibson's Bakery. And it's not just a bakery. They have food and wine, whatever else they have. So uh, in 2016, two or three Oberlin students, they happened to be African-American, three Oberlin students went into Gibson's Bakery. The guy picked up two bottles of wine, stuck them under his jacket, was going to shoplift, tried to, was going to walk out the door. So an Oberlin employee who happens to be the daughter of the owner said, hey, hey, hey. She stopped him and she had her cell phone. She's taking a picture of him because she's catching him shoplifting. And he knocked the phone out of her hand. Bottles fell on the floor. He goes running out with his two um, friends who were there with him as he was shoplifting. This owner's daughter goes out and the, a, a, a scuffle ensued. I mean, actually, the people trying to shoplift were beating up the woman who is the owner's daughter who was trying to stop them from shoplifting. Long story short was they, the three would-be shoplifters, pled guilty, uh, agreed to just a misdemeanor, um, and agreed that they would not say in the media that anything about their arrest was racial because they were trying to say it was racial. Where Oberlin College filled with woke leftists running that school and an organization on campus began to protest outside of Gibson's Bakery claiming that Gibson's Bakery was racist because they stopped a shoplifter was racist. And what was really telling in this case was Oberlin college officials, actual alleged otherwise adult officials, were emailing each other, urging these students to engage in this protest. One of the administrators went to the protest, waving a sign, Black Lives Matter, we hate racism, blah, blah, trying to shut down this Gibson's bakery. And there's more to the story than that, but I can't get into it to say, trying to shut down Gibson's bakery over completely false allegation of racism. And so Gibson's Bakery sued Oberlin College. And after a long trial, they got not only actual damages, but punitive damages, and they got adjusted on appeal. Bottom line, Oberlin College was ordered to pay $32 million to this little bakery, more than they probably ever earned in a year. Case got upheld on appeal. The lesson is that when you go woke, 
and you, as they did in Oberlin, sometimes you have to pay. It takes people willing to fight, willing to stand up, or otherwise you end up. I mean, it was a great thing. So otherwise, just submit to it. And these people, Gibson's Bakery, said, uh-uh, not doing it. And they won case upheld on appeal. We're about out of time for our listeners on radio. This is Debbie Georgiatis, America Can We Talk. Go to americacanwetalk.org. Come back Monday through Thursday, 3 p.m. Central Time. Talk to you next time. For our online listeners, uh, I always close out this show by telling you why the stories we talked about today matter to you. I love doing this part of the show at the end of the show. So on the first, on the border busting numbers in Title 42, I just want you to again remember, Texas Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick delivered disturbing numbers in, a, in public remarks last night. By the end of the Biden four-year term, 20% of people living in America will likely be here illegally. He doesn't say likely. I threw that in because I know it's somewhat of an estimate. He says, will be here illegally. Please let that sink in. By the end of the Biden four-year term, 20% of people living in the USA will be here illegally. Border enforcement actions in 2020, when we still had Mr. Trump as president, 450,000. In 2021, 1.666 million. Nearly four times because people feel invited, potential illegal aliens feel invited here by everything the Biden administration and frankly the Obama administration did before Trump. Title 42, authority to limit immigration due to COVID being abandoned by Biden. At the same time, Biden renewing vaccine mandates for federal employees. I got to tell you, folks, those two things don't go together. If, the, if we're so scared about COVID, these poor federal employees have to have a vaccine mandate, then we can keep Title 42 in place, but not when you're a leftist because leftists don't think in logic. Leftists think in, we like controlling the people and establishing that the government controls your life and there's nothing you can do about it. And we want an open border. That's why we have one. And that makes Biden's two, those two things, not inconsistent. They make perfect sense when you are a leftist. Biden administration actions make no sense whatsoever, except as part of agenda to destroy America. And on fighting woke race baiters, Oberlin must pay 216, 216 shoplifting, 2016 shoplifting incident, later confessed to, pled guilty, so they would not engage in accusations of racism. Willingly and knowingly transitioned by officials of Oberlin College into a completely baseless allegation of racism against a shop owner. Jury later found shop owner to have acted honestly, without racial motivation, awarded damages and punitives altogether, over 30 million against Oberlin College. Oberlin College appeal and appellate court confirmed the jury verdict. The lies of wokeism will not prevail, but they must be fought by stout hearts. Smears, false allegations against a shop owner and the family were despicable and relentless. Congratulations and thanks to a justice system that rendered justice in this case. And that, my very fine friends, is America Can We Talk for today. Thank you so very much for tuning in every Monday through Thursday at 3 p.m. Central Time to America Can We Talk, where I always talk truth about America because America matters. And I'll talk to you next time. Can We Talk? Truth About America.